Hello, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news and social justice issues. This week, we look at Hart versus Coles, a case being heard in the Fair Work Commission. The first hearing started Tuesday, February the 2nd, with another later this month. Duncan Hart is a trolley collector for Coles in Brisbane. He has been joined by the Meat Workers Union, the AMIEU, in taking action against the sweetheart deal brokered by the SDA and Coles last year. It is believed thousands of Coles workers are out of pocket because of a deal which abandons penalty rates for an increase in hourly rates. The Fair Work Commission must decide if the deal passes the fairness test, where workers must not be worse off than in the previous award arrangements. If the agreement is overturned, it will be an important step in the right direction for workers. We'd um, have an opportunity for people to say a few words before we head up. Uh, this is Josh Cullinan, who is running the case for uh, Duncan, obviously, who's appealing against the Coles Agreement. So I'll get him to say a few words, and then if there's someone from the meat workers and any retail workers here that might want to jump up, that'd be great. But yeah, Josh. Yeah, g'day. So um, as James said, my name's Josh. Thanks everyone for turning out. So today's the, um, there's two hearings, it's very unusual, but the Commission has split this, um, split this into two hearings. Today is the evidence hearing. So we've got two witnesses, my, myself as, and um, the analyses I've done of the agreement and some other things. We've got Duncan who's in Brisbane this morning with some comrades and he's going to talk a little bit about um, the experience he has if he gets put in the stand. We don't know if he will be. They've got uh, four witnesses, Coles have got four witnesses, you'll hear from them, you'll hear what they have to say and you'll hear some very interesting cross-examination. I won't go into it because um, their people keep walking past. And the SDA has got a witness, um, one of their national industrial officers, who's going to talk about um, why this agreement is so wonderful and how retail workers consider wages a third or fourth order issue. Um, he'll obviously have some very interesting questions in cross-exam, which, um, well, he brings this on himself. So it's a really great turnout here, I must say. Um, thanks everyone for getting along. I'm going to rush upstairs in a couple of minutes because um, our barrister, who's also um, doing all this for, for Nick's, um, has a conference to America. She, uh, she represents refugees, so she's got to do some stuff and I have to be ready to go in case she doesn't finish in time. Um, so I'm going to um, head up, but if you are able to stay, please do. We hope we'll get to their witnesses very quickly. Um, and once we get to their witnesses, um, you know, it's a large courtroom, take a chair, sit back, um, enjoy. Um, I understand there'll probably be some guffawing, um, but, you know, as I said, they bring this on themselves. Um, thanks, mate. Is there anyone from the meat workers who just wants to say a few words? Oh, yes. uh, my name's Sean Roy from Meat Workers Union. Just briefly, just want to thank everyone for coming today. Obviously, um, we have a big disdain with Coles and what they're trying to do. So again, thanks for everyone for coming and uh, we'll get up there and see what they have to say. I, I can't believe how this passed the boot test, to be honest. So it's going to be amazing to see what they say. I, I can't see how they can uh, put up a defence, but we'll soon find out. So, and don't get me started on the SDA, but uh, <laughs> thanks very much. Okay. And just quickly, I know that there's a few workers in different industries, including some SDA members and retail workers here. Anyone of them want to say just a minute's worth of stuff? Um, so, I'm a retail worker, I work at Woolworths, so not quite Coles, but we'll be very soon facing quite what Duncan's having to face. We've seen the preliminaries of the agreement and hopefully, well hopefully, not hopefully, 
um, they're going to be pushing through the same things as the SCA and um, the company trying to put through now. But what we've seen at my job uh, recently is actually like Woolworths will do pretty much anything to avoid paying penalty rates. So like they've cut any overtime staff, they're cutting um, shifts that aren't contracted. And so it's, so it's quite obvious, I think, that like what Woolworths wants is to pay their staff as little as possible. And it's actually really appalling that the SDA is like helping them out and giving a helping hand. And like every time we talk about this stuff, we come to these rallies, I'm always remembered of something that uh, Danny Kane, the anyway, always said, which is, if the bosses like you, we're well, not doing your fucking job as a union. And I think that pretty much exemplifies what the SDA has been doing recently with these sweetheart deals they're doing with Coles, with Woolworths and probably every other um, company they're going to try and do an agreement with. And so I think that's what that shows is that, well, it's up to the rank and file SDA members like myself, like Duncan, to hold not just like the company accountable for what they're doing, but also for the SDA because they're supposed to represent us and um, it's up to us to make sure that happens. So what Duncan's, um, Duncan's appeal here is really, really important because hopefully it'll set a precedent for all the other deals and hopefully what the appalling deal they're trying to push through won't come to Woolworths and won't come to any other retail workers. Just a little background before we go on to what happened on the first day of hearings. The Shop and Distributive Allied Employees Association, the SDA, is billed as the biggest union in Australia. It is a conservative union, which has traditionally used its numbers to influence policy settings at the ACTU. The latest example was the SDA's public stance against gay marriage in internal discussions within the ACTU. Later, in 2015 the SDA received some notoriety when it was outed as paying large companies like Coles a million-dollar levy to collect union dues for SDA through their payroll systems. This unusually powerly relationship between large companies and a union came to the fore again in 2015 when the SDA actually made an industry-wide deal with Coles that White Anted did away with all other deals made by other unions, such as the unions for transport workers and the meat workers. This allowed Coles to do away with awards specific to the working conditions of these people and to pretend that they all had the same conditions as retailers. The SDA handled the member vote, it is alleged, in such a way that kept Coles workers in the dark about the changes to the agreement so that employees would not notice that they were now being paid less than the award. The AMIEU has had meat workers in Coles since the 1980s. We had our own enterprise agreements. Those agreements included penalty rates, all our juniors weren't paid junior rates, they were paid adult rates. Um, We had much better conditions than the SDA members. However, last year, the SDA and Coles went into an agreement to wipe out our agreement, and that's what they did. They wiped out our agreement. And so... Now what is happening is anyone who comes in new into the meat rooms, I mean, they put in a grandfather clause to protect the people who are already there, but, of course, anyone who comes in who's a butcher or a cabinet worker or any of those things go in on these lousy pay. 
and obviously that's very bad for the people who work in the meat rooms. There are two things that going to the hearing at the Fair Work Commission revealed to this reporter. One, there really are heroes in this world. And two, never think that corporate experts are special and unbeatable. Let's look at the heroes first. Josh Callanan is an industrial officer for the NTEU, the National Tertiary Education Union. It was Josh who sat down on his own bat and went through the figures that Coles used to justify the new agreement and came up with the argument against this agreement, which is being presented at the Fair Work Commission. I got to speak to Josh much earlier last year in June before it was agreed that they would actually take this case. He'd been working on the figures then. This is what he said then. You've done this in a private capacity, but obviously you are a person who is... uh, aware and uh, lives and breathes effectively the uh, arrangements that work in industrial in the industrial field is the fact that you uh, have applied uh, yourself to this analysis a sign that um, the intellectual capacity of the unions as a whole is working on uh, a better future for workers um, I would certainly hope so. I think that there's there's probably a very very long um, piece to be uh, written about sort of my story and my interaction with young workers, um, but I have seen the the effect of this organisation um, have on young workers in our union movement, and the, and it's a shame that the first first experience for many many young workers of a union is the SDA. So I, I hope that um, I've certainly been encouraged by the amount of um, support that I've received. Um, I've made a call out for anyone who has rosters at other major retailers or major fast food outlets to send them through because the the analysis doesn't end with Coles. Um, and I've been you know, surprised with the level of support that I'm getting from others. And I, I hope that the intellectual rigour can be brought to bear to ensure that these young workers um, receive not only the 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 just rewards for their work, but also over time develop an understanding and stand up to re-democratise, to take back control of the union, which they should. The second hero is, of course, Duncan Hart, as well as the AMIEU, the Meat Workers Union, who were prepared to be litigants. Duncan sat patiently in Brisbane, linked to the hearing by video link, while official and workers from the AMIEU sat in the court on the day of the hearing. The third hero is the barrister, Siobhan Kelly, who slowly but carefully dealt death by a thousand cuts to the Coles expert witnesses. When I congratulated her on her work, she said it was great that everyone had come and filled the court so the commission could see the case was important. Without these people, Coles might have got away with this agreement. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your right. Now let's look at the experts. It is here that we see the audacity of the Coles plan to rip off Australian workers. First up, Bruno Cicchini, partner at the giant accounting and consultancy firm Ernst & Young. Mr Cicchini made it clear that his analysis of the outcomes for workers were all based on the figures supplied by Coles lawyers. 
no Coles employees had been spoken to. A few jewels from his evidence. Pay scales were worked out on a hypothetical roster, not a real one, for the month of May, which had no public holidays or disruptions to the roster. No one at Ernst & Young looked at the award, which was being replaced by the new agreement. Although no penalty rates existed, his analysis showed the hypothetical worker would not be disadvantaged because of all the great features of the new agreement. He agreed that the only way a worker would retain some parity with the award through those benefits was if the assumption that every worker every year could access every hour of every single leave entitlement in the agreement. Siobhan Kelly, representing Duncan Hart and the AMIEU, asked whether an employee could be better off under the agreement only if they took eight hours blood donor leave, ten days defence service leave, five days of unpaid leave, eleven days of carer's leave, three days compassionate leave, three days emergency services leave, three days natural disaster leave, were off work for 26 weeks with a serious injury, receiving accident, make-up pay and were made redundant. That is correct, yes, replies Cellini without so much as a flicker of embarrassment. Questioned about the uniform entitlement that he had assumed for his analysis, Ciccini said they had assumed a conservative estimate out of the air of two shirts and either a pair of trousers or a skirt per worker for a two-year period for a person doing two eight-hour shifts a week. There was a general chuckle from the meat workers in the audience. The next expert, Louise Rowland, former academic at Swinburne University and now an executive director of Ernst & Young, was like watching an academic train wreck. Her well-typed and bound report was systematically sliced and diced by Kelly, Hart's barrister, by going through finding evidence of plagiarism, which would have made an undergraduate blush, and the use of studies without contextual relevance. So, for example, one, only one American study was used without context to prove that a Coles employee who was allowed to ask for flexible hours, I repeat, allowed to ask, not necessarily get flexible hours, was more likely not to lose their job because of domestic violence. And that could be quantified as a benefit to set against lost penalty payments. The same logic is used for students who work at Coles and statistically are likely to get a better paid job in the future. That ability to have flexible hours could be quantified against loss of earnings in the new agreement. According to Jerome Small, reporting for Red Flag, the socialist alternative newspaper, Rowland's report contains pages and pages of hallucinatory calculations that enable her to estimate conservatively that around $4,000 of an average Coles worker's future annual earnings should be considered a monetary value they receive under the Coles agreement. It was like being in La La Land. Stand up, stand up, stand 
Stand up for your right. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your right. The best was kept for last. Matthew Galbraith is a National Industrial Officer with the Shop Distributive and Allied Employees Association, SDA. Galbraith's evidence amounted to an admission, a statement that the SDA appears to have made this deal with Coles knowing that thousands of the 77,000 workers they represented would be worse off. As someone said later, at least he had the decency to look a little embarrassed, unlike the previous experts. Cole's agreement pays no penalties for evening work before 10pm compared to a 25% penalty in the award, no penalty rate for Saturday, 50% in the award and only a 50% penalty rate on Sunday, double time in the award. This leaves many workers $50, $70 or even $140 per week worse off than the award. Allowances for freezer work, first aid, higher duties and part-time overtime rates had been left out of the figures. The final instalment of this very important case, with Duncan Hart and the AMIEU as applicants, will be heard to a full bench hearing with the uh, Fair Work Commission. It's scheduled to be heard on February the 29th in Melbourne. It's a public hearing and everybody is encouraged to turn up. You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. You're on Stick Together, union news and social justice stories. Over the last few weeks, I've had the opportunity to talk with casual workers and get an idea of their lot. Today we profile Matt Osborne who has worked for 20 years in disability care. He gave us a picture of some of the problems with casual employment at the recent Victorian inquiry into the higher industry well, and insecure here, work. So sort of Matt Osborne. So can you just tell me your name and uh, your type of work? It's, my name's Matthew Osborne and I work with uh, people with disabilities. What I will say is that um, being a casual a lot of the time, to be able to do your job properly... It's very difficult when you're a casual to be as professional as you would be. That's the most important thing to me, to be able to go to work and do your job professionally. As a casual, you can't make complaints. Well, you can, but at the peril of of not getting any work the next day because you've um, ruffled up the feathers of the boss there or just got angry or he's got angry. Um, Things have changed over the years. Now you have to give some availability, so you're on on on-call, basically, stuck by your phone. And if you don't, and then all of a sudden if you change your plans, then they say, but you said you're available, and then you get punished, so you might miss out on having work for a couple of weeks and, you know, or forever, depending on who you've, you've annoyed, you know. Um, in my work, the, the work is broken down uh, to morning shifts and afternoon shifts usually, which really does cut into the kid time. Now my kids are at school, so um, my availability is very limited at the moment because I don't know how to how to organise this. I don't know how to organise childcare. I don't know how to organise um, getting rebates because it's difficult to give income estimates. Difficult to... Actually, what's interesting, I discovered the other day, is I rang up a superannuation body to find out how I could, um, you know, um, organise my retirement. And um, well, I couldn't work out how I could do it because I couldn't give them any information. 
you know, like to find, do financial planning for the future. It's just impossible because you don't know what you're going to be, what you're going to get, and you never know when you're going to not be required, you know, or they don't like you, or you, they just don't want you. So basically, you're worried about work all the time, and you have to have. I've had more. One stage, I had like five jobs, not all in disability. Three of them were in disability. I had another job uh, training people to work in disability and I had another job training people who were unemployed who had disabilities to get work. So I was pretty busy. I was never home. I hardly saw the kids. Uh, that went for seven years straight. Seven years straight, I didn't spend any time with my family hardly at all. We went on our first holiday this year to Rosebud for five days. I mean, I mean you know, for the kids, basically, it was great for them. But, for, I mean, I go to Rosebud on trips with clients, you know, so it was more, more so for them and it was something we could afford. But you also said something about uh, the whole uh, your role as a professional worker with your clients and how that can be uh, undermined by this kind of system. You're just constantly worried about uh, reporting. If you report, do reports, they blame you if, if you do reports. And if you haven't got that security of um, a permanent job... Uh, they tend to point the finger at you if things happen in the house. Like if there was an incident between two clients, what did you do? It's like, well, I didn't do anything. They, he just decided to get out of his chair and hit Jimmy decided to hit Max. And it's like, well, you can't work back there then because we reckon it's you. So we'll just get the next person. It's like a revolving door thing. So rather than address the issue, they'll just get rid of that casual and bring another one in and hope that that fixes the problem when it doesn't. It's quick, often quick fix solutions too, just getting rid of some casuals, thinking... Blame them as well. It was the casual's fault. So you get blamed for everything as well when you're a casual. With um, people with disabilities, one of the most important things for them, especially people with intellectual disabilities who have autism, is structure and routine and stability and consistency. So, you know, I'll go into a house that, you know, quite often can be filled full of casuals because all the permanents are on work cover because there's been so many people assaulted. We'll go through all of that, that those problems We'll settle the house down and the clients will start feeling secure with us and then all of a sudden you're pulled from there. So the effect on the clients is, 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 is bad because they don't trust anybody then and they suffer because they don't have that stability and consistency of ongoing care. Because care is about building relationships. It's not just about sending people in there to feed, dress and clothe. That's, that's like being in an orphanage or something, you know. Um, we're supposed to be improving our quality of care and it's getting worse. Casualisation of the care professions is one of the worst things ethically and morally that ha- that's happening, in my opinion, in this day and age because I see the effects it has on clients and they um, are very insecure. The amount of incidents rise and the incidents that happen between themselves, like they live in a house together and they quite often have incidents amongst one another and um, those can be curbed with consistent staff casuals it just doesn't work unless you're there ongoing you just can't get that to work i think that um quite often this is just all about for for employee employee um, employers or organizations that help the vulnerable it's just more about worrying about where money's coming from than it is about care so and and the majority of the most of their expenses goes on staff so the first place they're going to cut is staff and then of course that's going to affect you know the um the service delivery to the clients so um 
you know, and by having casuals coming in and out, they can just get rid of people. They, you know, they can maneuver. They can quite often they'll cut shifts too. So there'll be um, time allocated for care, and then if a permanent sick, it might be eight hours allocated for care. The permanent sick, so they'll say, "I'll oh, ring ring Matt up. We'll get him to come in." Or, or whoever, ring whoever up, we'll get them to come in and we'll just book them for five and a half. We'll just shave two and a half hours off the shift. So the clients will miss out on that two and a half hours, which could be done, you know, taking them for a walk or going to the park. So they'll just end up sitting in a chair, getting the basics done. They'll save the money. The shift will be shortened. Quality of care goes down. But it all looks good on paper because they've saved a few bucks. And then there was the thing about being booked... As a, what is it, uh, for a month? Oh, yes, yes. Um, and it's even got a term. They even have a name for it. Oh, it's uh, on a, a contracted casual. Yeah. Um, I never understood what that meant. Um, uh, so you're on, on board for a month, but you're just getting paid casual rates. So you're booked into those shifts ongoing. So you have to be there. And so you can imagine if you're not, because you've, you've said, I'll be there for a month, and then, all, and then it's taken away from you at the end of the month. Or they might renew it again for another month. So you might be on these little month contracted casual positions, but you don't get the benefits of uh, permanent or sick leave or anything like that. And the lack of education about uh, uh, work cover, I mean, that's pretty serious because in your area things can happen. Oh, yes. The amount of times that I've come across people who are, who are casuals who have come to work sick. I had a guy limping into work once, and um, this was in another organisation I used to work for, and um, he, one of the clients had a, a physio coming, and I told the staff member to actually have a physio session from that physiotherapist in one of the other client's rooms because I felt sorry for him because he couldn't work, walk, um, move. I said, you need to get something done, you're here. I can't do the shift on my own. And basically I had uh, heavy guys with, with high needs that had to be hoisted. He couldn't even bend. He hurt himself at work. His first response to me when he came in, I, I, I'm not allowed, I haven't got any sick leave, I'm a casual. And I said, what about work cover? You hurt yourself at work. He said, I'm not allowed to take work cover because I'm not entitled to sick leave. He didn't understand the difference. And most, and there's another person who came in the other day who fellow fell over a um, dishwasher at work. The door was open. She limped in. I asked her what happened. She told me. I said, you need to put in a work cover claim. She said, oh, no, my boss said I had to have my own work insurance. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your right. Get up, stand up. That's it for Stick Together today. Thanks to you for listening. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and you can contact the producers of the show at stick.together at gmail.com or by calling 039419 8377. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Catch you next time.